Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC A25. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM, 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. I'm excited for today's show, Mr. Cohen. You are excited. Why? Well, we're going to get to Mike Lombardi in a little bit and have some expertise in our football talk before we like we'll do our little amateur analysis first. And then we'll bring on the guy who's got three Super Bowl rings afterwards to to back up. Are are you excited about the matchup? I'm I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I would have liked to not have seen the Niners in it. <laughs> Why? Because I, I like the Because you wanted team. to see the Eagles in it. No, I like the Lions team. I thought they were fun. I just well, I thought they were well, fun. Well, they should have been in it. I, let's talk about that because you texted me at halftime. I, I have stopped bothering you during games that teams that we are not interested in <laughs> uh, play because I just assume you're either not watching or don't want to hear from me. And I get this like random text, which message. neither, which neither is usually true unless it's Thursday night football, but go ahead. I get this random text message at halftime about how good the lions look. Were you the mush? Is that what happened? <laughs> Was I the what? The mush. Did you screw it up? You texted me how good they looked and then they collapsed in the second Yeah, it's half? my, it's my, I, I wish I had those kind of powers. I have nothing to do with it. I think it all falls on Dan Campbell. The I, one person you can't blame is Jared Goff. Nah, he played a good game. They looked so good in the first half. They were just slinging it all over. It, it was what? What do you mean slinging? They were rushing it. They were literally running the ball yeah. down their throat. It, it was, wasn't just slinging it over. You had a team. Dan Campbell talks about tough toughness. He did in the first half what you would expect, which is just just run the ball down. By by the way, a very good defense's throat. Well, and what their and, defense did was challenge the Niners' offense. They they blitzed and ran right at the guards to put pressure on Purdy early in the game and really bottled them up for a while. Okay, so if, if you're up by 17 points at halftime by running the ball down the throat of your opponent... You would keep running. And, and your offensive line is dominating. Penny Sewell, one of the best 10 players in the NFL. Don't care about position. What have you ever seen an offensive lineman move around as much as he did be in motion on plays? I, they're fun to watch. And look, in fairness, they did. They did. Fun, they tried to run after the Niners scored to come back in the in the second half. And they, they tried to hand it off. And Gibbs fumbled on the, the first run that gave the Niners more momentum to score. I you know, you can debate whether or not field goals should have been kicked, whether they should have gone for it. They did have Michael Badgley as their kicker who had been on and off rosters of different teams all season. Uh, I, I just I feel for Lions fans. But That's the, a but tough the, way to the, go. Look, go, the going for it on fourth down was problematic. But it wasn't the to me, the fatal flaw of, of the Lions. It was the game plan. It was what you did in the first half worked, and you do not go away from it. You were wearing them down. In the first half, they were worn down, and you should have just kept running them, running down their throats. And for some reason, Dan Campbell decided, I'm going to show them how smart I am. Was it Dan Campbell or Ben Johnson? I mean, I thought Ben Johnson kind of runs that offense. Who, by the way, I was surprised, said earlier in the week, he's not going to interview and go to... Washington or Seattle, he's going to stay there in Detroit. I, I really thought that he was going to end up being the next Washington coach, but we're, I was surprised that they went away from it. I don't know what San Francisco did differently in the second half, but they clearly had a different game plan in the second half. 
I'm not going to sit there and worry about who's going where we can talk, we can discuss that with somebody smarter than both of us. I'm just telling you that what Dan Campbell did, what the offense did, the way that they handled that second half, they handed the game to them. Granted, Brock Purdy did a great job in the second half. The entire team did a great job in the second half, but they were aided by, by a, a Lions coaching staff that just decided to take their foot off the gas. And that game obviously followed the the heavyweight battle earlier in the day of Baltimore against Kansas City. And you say heavyweight because of the ratings, I assume. No, the ratings were actually higher for the Niners game. But the AFC game was the highest rated AFC game ever. Yes. And right. I, I would have thought that that, that, that would have... Wow, look at me pointing out a Jason fact. Don't worry, I've got questions for Lombardi about TV. <laughs> he talks about that in his book. But I, I was surprised in that matchup because if you're going to attack Kansas City, it's their rushing defense. Baltimore comes in as the team like Detroit that you think would try to run it down their throat, and they have five rushes in the game. I don't have you ever have you plan. ever seen a team lack as much composure as the Ravens did from even oh, before the kickoff? So many penalties, so many. Bef- penalties. But before the kickoff, I mean, look, the Ravens have had a history of of this kind of nonsense in some of their players, but it just seemed like they had no composure throughout the game, even in big moments. How many how many fifteen yard penalties did they have? How many times did they have a big play? Then Zay Flowers, Taunting. he should be not showing his head anywhere. For him to make that big play and then blatantly taunt the opponent and take away the momentum and then decide that he can't hold on to the ball for one more foot. That was a great defense. One more That was foot. a great defensive play. That that was a really good defensive play, though. I mean, you got to give it up sometimes to the other team, too. And, you know, I'm, I'm not not giving credit to the, the Chiefs. I'm just telling you that the the Ravens lack of composure to me was the headline of that game. I, the Be- dominance besides Taylor Swift, the dominance of <laughs> why I don't get it. Why are people what? so upset about that? What's the difference? I, I don't know. But my guess is the reason that the AFC championship was the highest rated ever was probably because she was there. Yeah, the NFL's thrilled that Chiefs are in the Super Bowl because she'll be there. But I don't get it. Why do people lose their mind? She's on the TV for like 26 seconds during the game. Who cares? They show me the guy who's... I, I just who's, think it's funny. They show I mean, me the di- guy who's naked with his belly painted with a the letter of the team over and over again. What's the difference? And, and, and the guy who cries. Like, don't, don't forget that they always have to show the guy who cries. Just, There's always somebody in the stands with their head on their hands. You know, doing the the uh, surrender cobra. Thing. I mean, people can focus <laughs> they show on that, that person. But the fact is, Travis Kelsey setting records, passing Jerry Rice. He was dominant in that game. He and really he's, was. He's, the The short time that it's taken him to break that record is amazing. But again, you know, we're based in Philadelphia. You, you got to give it to Andy Reid. Andy Reid for the last six seasons has taken them to the AFC Championship. And he's now going to the Super Bowl again. He's now solidified himself. If he didn't beforehand, which I think he already did, he's a Hall of Fame lock coach and potentially one of the top 10 coaches of all time. And they just keep winning. Do you agree? 
Yes, absolutely. I, I didn't enjoy the revisionist history uh, this week of we never should have let Andy Reid go. Like we won a Super Bowl since he left. It wasn't it had run its course here. He needed a different place. And, and Andy's adjusted. I mean, he continues to be on the cutting edge of his offense and, and what he's done. And look, they don't have some of the weapons this year that they've had in past years and they're still back there. Well, and yeah, but part of the reason they're back there, obviously, in addition to to Pat Mahomes, is the defense has become clutch. Yeah, and you got to give credit to Spagnola. He's always Spagnola has become one of the best defensive coordinators. Still don't understand. Generation. Still don't understand why he's not a head coach. I I just don't under. I get some guys are just coordinators. Well, well, well that's it. I mean, there are some guys who don't even want to be head coaches at this point. Maybe. It, it, he's had a very comfortable job right now doing it really well. You know, some some people just sit there and say, okay, well, I want to do this really well. I mean, it just, his guys buy into him. They're wearing the Trust and Spag shirts underneath their, their playing. And you could tell how they played. We got to talk about Mahomes for a second. I mean, the guy has never not been in a championship game, Jeff. Never. <laughs> like, never. Like, he's in his NFL career, he's been in the NFL for what a half dozen years, and he's never not been. Like people can have their opinions. Like you have to respect greatness at some point. It's happening right before your eyes. You don't see. We went from the Tom Brady run to the Patrick Mahomes run. That's not normal in sports. <laughs> these are like these are crazy, especially in the salary cap era. And they just keep doing it. And it's just very impressive to watch. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Super Bowl will be probably a very good game rematch of the previous Super Bowl. I'm sure it'll be huge ratings, especially with Taylor there, so that the people who don't care about football can look for her on TV. But, I, look, I'm excited for it. I, again, I would have just liked to see the Lions. I'm, I'm kind of tired of some of these teams. And, and and the Raiders fans get to see what it's like to have a, a winning team oh, in there their you go. stadium. Shot, shots from the former Chargers fan. <laughs> oh, well, wait, not just from another team, but a team in their division. There you go. Could there be anything where it would be like if the Eagles were hosting the Super Bowl and the Cowboys were? I don't even want to process that thought. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to go there. That's, that's not a, a, an avenue that I'll, I'll drive down. Are you excited for the matchup? You asked me, are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good Super Bowl. I think this is a, this is a matchup of two really good defenses and two pretty good offenses, but the defenses are going to steal the show in this game. You think Andy Reid out coaches Shanahan? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think you have two really good coaches in this game. I think you have really good coordinators. You have two quarterbacks that I think are really smart. Hey, by the way, did you happen to see Herm Edwards kind of taking credit? Not for that. So so he he has now come out and said that he knew all along that Brock Purdy was going to be a really good quarterback because he recruited him at Arizona State when he was in high school. And, and recruiting people have come out. And said, no, he didn't. He never <laughs> offered him a scholarship. <laughs> and he was from Arizona. Oops. Yeah, oops. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Why don't we leave it there and we'll we'll bring on somebody who, who knows much more than, than we do and keep the conversation going. Let's talk some football. Bring on former NFL executive, author of the books Gridiron Genius and Football Done Right, and host of the GM Shuffle podcast, Michael Lombardi. Michael, thank you for giving us some time. Congratulations on the next book. 
Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's awful nice of you. It's uh, always good to get them done and figure out what the next book's going to be. Well, well, we'll get to that after we get to this one. I, I got to ask you about this one first. It's it's kind of a textbook on the history of football. And, and you had a quote from Bill Walsh. He, you said he would say, the answers to problems lie in the past, not in the future. Can you talk about the origins of the book and the importance of the history of the game you were able to learn from the great people you worked with? When I would get on the team bus when I was when I worked for him, I would sit behind him on bus one, and he was always doodling Clark Shaughnessy plays. He was obsessed with the single wing, the wing formation, how Shaughnessy took and basically made the quarterback position what it is today. And he was always doodling, always asking me to call NFL Films to get footage of the 40s, 50s, and 60s games. And then when I worked with Belichick, it was the same thing. It was always about studying what other people were doing and trying to apply it to the present because what Walsh really believed was that to solve any problems of a play, you had to know the origin of the play. You had to know exactly what was the reason for the play. So when the play broke down, you could go to the players and say, here's why it didn't work. Whereas you steal a play from somebody, you don't have that answer. So talk to us about why the NFL doesn't do a better job tying the past to the present. We see baseball, you, you know the history of everything. Yeah. In football, it seems like we kind of run away from what made this game yeah. what it is. I, I can't answer that. I don't understand it. Like there's so many opportunities. The coach of the year award should be the Paul Brown award because he developed coaching as I write about in the book, you know, the combine should be the, the, the NFL, the Al Davis draft combine because no one loved the draft more than he did. You know, it's, it's should be, we should honor the great players from the past. And, you know, we have the Lombardi trophy, but what, would we still call it the Lombardi Trophy now? I mean, it's kind of like it was he died so young. I think people felt like since he was the first coach, let's give it to him. We haven't thought that way in a long time. And I think that we lose sight of how great some of these older players were. You mentioned Johnny Unitas to somebody today, and they think, oh, he's, he couldn't play today. Johnny Unitas, we've seen Johnny Unitas play today. His name was Peyton Manning. It was just in a different uniform. You know, you know, we hear that all the time, comparisons of, of different eras and people say that you can't do it or that people in prior generations couldn't play in this generation. Why is there this misperception that players from previous generations couldn't play in this generation? Because I think everybody thinks everybody's faster and everybody's more athletic and bigger. And to a degree, that's true, right? But could Bob Gibson pitch today? Of course he could. Could, could Johnny Unitas play quarterback today? Of course he could. You know, he would adapt to the game. We, we just have this notion that new is better, right? And we see it all the time. I mean, it, it compare it to basketball. You know, they, they don't talk about some of the older players in the same esteem that they talk about the ones today. Could Bill Russell have played today? That's a joke. Of course he could have played today. Could Deacon Jones play today? Sure he could have played today. I mean, some of these quarterbacks, Bradshaw, Unitas, uh, the great Marie. I mean, if they would have been protected like these quarterbacks today, they would have been unbelievable. So we just don't understand it. We don't have anybody teaching us about the past. We don't have anybody really understand the origins of how this league started. Nobody knows that it started at Ralph Hayes Oldmobile, nor do they care. And it create a sense of belonging. One of the things you have to do when you're building a team is to create a sense of belonging. 
you know, if you work for the Philadelphia Eagles, you want them to know about Steve Van Buren. You want them to know about Chuck Benaric. You want them to know about those Kelly Green uniforms. You want them to know about Franklin Field because they represent that era. They represent that uniform. Why is the Michigan-Ohio State game sold out in the year 2050 and the kids they're going to play in aren't even born yet? Because the uniforms, people go to the uniforms, and that's part of the history and tradition. Now, we have a lot of new owners that come into the league, and they want to start their tradition with when they book the team. You know, you mentioned Bill Belichick earlier, and, and the idea of new is better. Is, is one of the struggles that's going on now with, with owners is that they are caught up on this idea of new is better instead of looking right out there and seeing one of the greatest coaches of all time? Well, I don't think they, they respect that. Uh, you know, they, they justify it. I mean, how is he not even getting interviewed? I mean, the Washington football team is flying to interview Aaron Glenn. His defense ranked 20th in the league this year. I mean, he's a good coach. They're not even going to stop in Boston to interview Belichick. They're not going to stop in Nashville interview to interview Mike Vrabel. And yet they're going to tell their fan base, we're committed to winning. Seriously, are you? Are you committed to winning? There's two coaches out there that are proven winners. You're not even talking to them. You're talking to people that don't really have ever been in the position before. But Ross, Ross said this to Paul Zimmerman in 1975. He, he basically summed up what we're experiencing today, that we have a owner that doesn't understand the game. The owner's listening to the president. The president's listening to the GM. And they're all telling, and they're all in job protection mode. They're all protecting their desks. They all don't want anybody coming in. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons hired Raheem Morris. Wonderful coach, right? Terry Fontenot got to keep his job. That's great. But if you're Terry Fontenot, why wouldn't you have talked to why wouldn't you hire Belichick? Your team's been seven and ten the last three years. You've been drafting skilled players and still don't have a very good offense. Like, why wouldn't you want to make this work? Well, you know, because he might challenge you. You might not keep your job based on his level of expectation. I think that goes on. And there's a lot of mediocrity in the league. Wall said this to me. Don't ever think this league is the best and the brightest. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't stop there. You you know, it's not just the current hiring of coaches. You talk about it in the evaluation of coaches when it comes to the Hall of Fame. You, you have lots of critiques in the book about the politicking that goes on and the lack of clarity in criteria. You mentioned Marty Schottenheimer, who's still not in there. Can you talk about what seems like the disrespect for coaches after they finish the game, too? Right. I mean, we're, we finally, you know, they didn't even mention Buddy Parker's name on the broadcast this weekend. Uh, and he was the coach of the 57 Lions. He's the last head coach that won titles for the Lions. You never meant, they never mentioned his name. Nobody talked about Buddy Parker. And nobody mentioned that Buddy Parker started nickel defense. If you went to New England when Belichick was coaching there, or if you went to Alabama, and Nick Saban was coaching there, and they called for their nickel defense, they would call, who's, they would ask, who's playing the star? Buddy Parker invented the star position, the terminology, the, the, the name. That came from him. They didn't even mention his name on TV on Sunday. It was like he never existed. He was the coach of the team. He started nickel defense. He started the two-minute offense. He started the two-minute defense. He's responsible for so many advancements in the game, but we've just forgotten about him and no one's taught this generation about him. And so what, what, what's happened in, in the past is we just dismiss these coaches that have come from different eras as if they didn't exist. Marty Schottenheimer is one of eight men 
who has won, a, won 200 games, 200 games. There's only eight other men that have won 200 regular season games. And yet Marty Schottenheimer can't get a sniff because the people on the committee, the P- Peter Kings, the Mike Sano, all those guys, they don't really value that. They don't realize how hard it is to win regular season games. It's hard. It's really hard. 200, one of eight men, there's been 530 guys call themselves head coaches in the NFL. Only eight have won 200, and yet we won't let one of the eight in. Uh, Jeff's on mute there, so I'll, I'll talk with his mic. There you go, Jeff. Do you believe that Marty Schottenheimer is not in solely because he hasn't won a Super Bowl, or is there something more to it? Because anybody no, just I, think, I think it's that I, the eye test. I think it's just he didn't win playoff games. He choked. There's a narrative that's out there that he choked in the playoffs. He never really had an elite quarterback. He got there. His team's always overachieved. But there's a narrative. I mean, George Allen's in the Hall of Fame. He didn't win a Super Bowl. He went to one. He had a 71% winning percentage, but he only coached in 100 games. I mean, he got in. A lot of it is the politics of it all. Who's friendly? Who's pushing you? Who's behind you? You know, these voters are tough. They, they, they are, they have, they have their own agenda too. And we see it all the time. You mentioned in the book, somebody like Preston Marsh who's in there who probably shouldn't be in there for setting back the game with race relations. How is he still in the hall of fame? I have no idea. How has nobody raised that question? Now, nobody, nobody in the committee has, I've been contacted by nobody from the committee about my book because they don't want to acknowledge that we need a criteria. That, that we do need a criteria for the coaches. Like if you set a criteria, it takes away their ability to politic. It takes away their ability to do a friend a favor. And I don't think it should be that way. I think if you should set a criteria. That's the only way you know how to draft players. You build with a criteria. So like if you win, as I put in the book, like Pete Carroll's a Hall of Fame coach. I'll promise you, Pete Carroll will struggle to get in the Hall of Fame. In my mind, based on my criteria, he gets in. You know, Mike Shanahan, he gets in. Marty Schottenheimer gets in. And, and I've used present-day coaches and guys that have got – like Tom Flores' his win percentage, he got in. I, in my criteria, he wouldn't have. In Vermeil's criteria, he wouldn't have, but he got in. You know, he got in. But, and I'm, I'm not trying to throw anybody out. I'm just saying let's set the bar now so that we can get the right people in. Is it just a criteria issue or is the, the group of people that are deciding it, the kind of people that are deciding it, part of the problem? I think a little bit of both. And, and without a criteria, it becomes who can yell the loudest in the room and who can make the best argument. And there's no one in the room that's ever coached in a game. You're asking people to judge coaches who've never coached. I don't have a Hall of Fame vote. Nobody's even asked me to give me one. I write every, I write. I haven't gotten asked for that because obviously I, I don't know enough about the game to, be, to, to vote. So I don't know what the criteria is to vote. I can't vote for the MVP of the league or the Hall of Fame. And to me, when you set a criteria, it takes away all the bias. It takes away the, 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 the narrative, the false narratives that get set. Right. It does. Look, George Seifert's won two Super Bowls. And what they'll say is, as I write about in the book, his second stint killed his first. Or they'll say that Seifert just rode the coattails of the 49er organization. I I don't know. Maybe it's true, but they didn't lose. Barry Switzer rode the coattails for one Super Bowl and he got fired because he couldn't duplicate it. 
So why didn't he ride the coattails? You know, you, you also write in the book a lot about TV and how the game came to be broadcast the way it is, personalities like John Madden. You mentioned earlier in the interview about how they didn't cover the history in Detroit in the broadcast. Can you talk about the current landscape and how the game is broadcast today in the context of history? Well, it, it's there is no history of the game. I mean, we might get a teaser at the beginning of the Super Bowl, but nobody's going to talk about the greatness of uh, of what Clark Shaughnessy helped with the 49ers or, you know, there'll probably be a montage for Bill Walsh because it is somewhat current and the 49ers do a good job of honoring him and, and what he's done to the franchise and credit Jed York for that. So, uh, I mean, to me, there is nobody teaching the history of the game. There would have been such a great opportunity. I mean, imagine there were all those people at Ford Field. They, they sat in Ford Field to watch the game that they could have sat at home and not paid $20 for a beer. But they were there because of the history of that franchise, because that those uniforms were the uniforms that Al Davis saw as a kid. And he stole he stole the silver from that uniform and put it with the black of the Army Knights and made the silver and black. And so that's why it's so important. That's why the people were sitting there. When you're showing that scene, why wouldn't somebody say, why are these people here? Like, how did they fall in love with this team? No, they've always been in love with this team. It goes back generations. It is, it is so obvious just from talking to you and hearing you in other interviews, your passion for the game and passion for the history of the game. When you were a general manager, when you were in front offices, did you recognize even back then how important the fans are and the history of the organization was? And how do you pass that along to today's front office personnel? It's hard. They don't, you know, it's hard to do. You just keep preaching it and hope somebody hears your voice. I'm a big believer in the uniform, right? Uh, and I was trained by the, the man who designed the Raider uniforms. And I was under, under the impression, like, I understand we want to sell jerseys. I understand we want to change things. But I think to me, when you win a Super Bowl with a uniform, you should never change it. You should never change it. You know, when the Lions start messing with their uniform, they realize they have the greatest uniforms of all time. People are stealing it. So I, I think you've got to really, and, and part of creating a team, a championship level team is to remember the past. If you went into the Patriots cafeteria, there would be pictures of players and executives in there that Belichick would eventually ask all of the, all the people on the team, the rookies, when they came in, who are the, who's 56 in that chow hall? And they would have no idea day one, but after day two, three, they knew that it was Andre Tippett. They knew it was the great Bucko Kilroy from Northeast Philadelphia that was on that wall in there as an executive with the Patriots. They would have to know that. And that's important because remember, you're creating a team. You want it to be bigger than yourself. You want it to be bigger. When it's only about you and what we're doing today, you're not creating a team. We know you have to go. We could ask you questions all day long and appreciate the time. Before we do, though, you're somebody yourself who has three Super Bowl rings. Talk about the excitement of the Super Bowl experience and what you think about the matchup we got with the Niners and the Chiefs. Well, I think it's the greatest thing of all. I think the conference championship games are the greatest because it's true measuring stick of where you come from. I mean, to get to the final four is damn hard. And I've been to seven final fours. I've been to four Super Bowls. So, you know, there's times you don't get to go to the next level. And so there's nothing like it. There's nothing greater than winning than being declared a champion. And it's a team effort. And the one thing I would say more than whatever I experienced in life is the team atmosphere 
around championship teams have all been identical. You may not go bowling together, but everybody worked for each other. Everybody loved one another. Everybody fought for one another through adversity. And that feeling is, is something that you can never replace. Well, look, we really appreciate you giving us the time. We wish you the best of luck with the book, and we hope we get to talk some more football with you another day. Thank you so much. Anytime. And Mike, what's the next one? Oh, yeah, that's right. The next one I want to write about is I really think we've lost the art of strategy in coaching. And I really want to write a book with a business guy, somebody who comes from the business sector who understands strategy, like Roger Martin, who wrote a book called The Opposable Mind, that can combine how to make the better coach, how to make a coach go from a tactician to a strategist. Well, when that book comes out, we can't wait to talk to you about that, hopefully, too, because that sounds fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great one. Thank you. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Thanks for sticking with us. What a fun time talking to Michael Lombardi. Uh, talk about somebody who loves the game, Jeff. Well, I thought it was interesting that he talked about Belichick, not just his own experience with Belichick, but how are these owners not even talking to him, not taking the, the potentially the greatest coach in the history of the NFL, not even bothering to talk to him. And now we know of the openings that were available this offseason, they're all filled now. The music has stopped, and uh, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, some big names that don't have a seat uh, when the game ends. So, uh, you know, what do you think of the hirings? Washington decided to take Dan Quinn from Dallas. Seattle went very young with Mike McDonald. Uh, any thoughts? I mean, obviously, we've talked about Harbaugh's hiring on this show. I still love the the Raiders bringing in Antonio Pierce. I, I, I like that they kept bringing him. in. He was already there, but they didn't have to keep him. They should have. They didn't have to keep him, but they, they look. They learned their lesson last time when they didn't keep uh, Rich Basaccio or whatever. His, I can't remember who, if that was his name, but did you see who they were considering for his OC and who they're bringing in for his OC. John Gruden. They were no. they were considering <laughs> Chip Kelly, and it looks like they're going to bring in Cliff Kingsbury to bring to be the offensive coordinator there. The Raiders are yes. Are the Raiders moving up to get Caleb Williams? Because all the rumors were that Caleb Caleb Williams wants Cliff Kingsbury wherever he goes. I don't know. That's what I saw. Was the news? So we'll see how that all shakes out. How should I? So hey, can we congratulate Josh Harrison doing the least? Uh, inventive thing possible and hiring Dan Quinn, who I guess at no point did that ownership group say the lions torched them, just torched them. I, and by the way, people should not forget that Dan Quinn, when he was the Falcons coach, was terrible, blew the Super Bowl. Yes. I, I ain't mad at them. <laughs> I, I just, I think they were caught a little Eagles bit. Eagles and Giants fans should be very excited. Yeah, exactly. Dallas got, well, I guess Dallas got weaker because they have to install a new system and Washington now has that as their defense. I, I think that they were kind of caught flat footed when Ben Johnson decided he was staying in Detroit. And that was kind well, of, well, that's poor ownership. It, 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 you're interviewing candidates. The candidates are also interviewing you. So if, if you, 
put all your eggs in an offensive coordinator and were caught flat-footed, shame on you. So in Philadelphia, we went from one year of experience calling plays to 25 years between the two coordinators. How should I feel as a dispassionate person watching this, Jeff? Here's my question. About Vic Fangio and Kellen Moore. You now see that Vrabel wasn't hired as a head coach. You have other really good coaches out there that weren't hired as head coaches. Did the Eagles move too fast? Would you would you rather have Ron Rivera or Vic Fangio at this point? Would you rather have Mike Vrabel or Vic Fangio? I'm not saying they're 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 willing to take a coordinator's position, but shouldn't you have investigated those instead of Fangio, who now reports are leaking out? didn't get along with a lot of his players. Yeah. And I I saw reports on the other side that the players kind of wanted the Miami lifestyle. I I don't know what to think of Fangio. I've told you all along. My thing is if they're going to run this type of defense, the Vic Fangio style of defense where his disciples were Jonathan Gannon and Sean Desai, if you're going to run that defense, which I don't like that defense, have the guy that created it. You know, Mike Lombardi talked in the show about the origins of play calls, where they come from. You know where these play calls came from because it's Vic Bangio that designed them. So at least if you're going to run this scheme, have the guy that knows it. Now, I still don't like it and I'd prefer some other people. No, but that's that's ridiculous. Why? Uh, uh, Bill Walsh ran a scheme and then had a whole bunch of disciples who were able to change the scheme and make it their own, but including Andy Reid, who, according to Vic Fangio, came up with something doesn't mean that he's the best guy for the job. And you just admitted that, hey, by the way, you don't even like this defense. I don't think he's the best guy for the job because I would have changed defenses. But that's not an option I was given as an Eagles fan. They wanted to keep this style defense, just like they wanted to keep Nick Sirianni there. So all I can do is react to what I'm given. I, it's not like the Eagles have personnel that that is your pin to this defense. No, they don't even have linebackers. And Fangio right. so, depends so, on linebackers and safeties. Uh, look, I, if I, this is what the Eagles want to do, I, if I were you, I wouldn't be happy about it. I'm happy that it's not Sean Desai. Again, if you're going to run it, have the guy who knows how to run it. I don't know what to think of Kellen Moore other than I will find out that men can go in motion running an offense. That I know will happen with Kellen Moore here. But I don't know what to think of what I saw on the field with Jalen Hurts. Was he hurt? Did he lose a step? Was he unwilling to run? Was he not being put in positions to do it? You know, I talked Devontae Smith's interview. I've heard a lot of those interviews that that he just wants him to come in and let them be them. What, what is this? I, what does that mean? I don't know. We've had that what, for- what is going on around here? How how did the Eagles team that was so cohesive 12 months ago become this team that everybody just wants? It, it's almost like they've all channeled their inner James Harden when. This organization has a way. They want football freedom instead of basketball freedom. That when things go south, the public gets lots of scapegoats. There's lots of leaks out of that building and that team. And you're seeing that right now. And I have concerns that you're. They're not leaks. There are. They're, they're, Devontae Smith did an interview. But but those guys are these. responding to stories that are being put out there. The are they going to trade A.J. Brown thing, which is a media creation. Uh, you are, you they, are just willing to just give them a cute. If, if, if you were a Cowboys fan right now, would you be doing this with Micah Parsons? Do you know too? what the cap hit is to actually trade A.J. Brown? 
I don't think they can That has nothing to do with the fact that everybody seems to be a malcontent right now. Well, I I under, look, there's clearly that everybody wants football freedom. There's clearly something that went wrong in that locker room. And I don't know what it was, but whether it's the people talking publicly on the record or the leaks that are leading to stories off the record about Jalen Hurts' leadership, things like that. Those are the types of stories you see from a dysfunctional team in a dysfunctional organization, not a team that everybody's on the same page. And that's what concerns me more than the X's and O's and the play calling and strategy is what the hell's going on in there? And did they make enough change to change it? I don't know that. I'm I don't not- know, but right now, the only the only team that doesn't look dysfunctional at this moment is the Giants in this division. Which says a lot. So- and, hey, can we talk about Micah Parsons knowing it all after three years in the league? Go ahead. What is this that he thinks that he's seen it all in his three years in the league? He's seen a lot. He has but... seen it all. Yeah, I, just, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we can all just go to sleep now. Coaches, you don't have to coach. Mike Micah Parsons has seen it all. He knows what the Cowboys need. Let him run the team. Well, look, he may go with Dan Quinn to Washington. Isn't that what he said at one point? Dan Quinn may take me with him someplace. How, how, how does he presume that's going to happen? He's not going to go anywhere. It's the same people <laughs> that say you're going to trade a player that's a $41 million cap hit if you do it. Who, who's going to want to go to the commanders right now? Well, I was surprised. What free agent, if, unless you have no other offers of similar money, why in the world would you go to a commander's team that is – uh, a rundown organization. They have new ownership. We'll see. But right now they play in the crappiest stadium. Well, they the do. NFL. And they're going to try to replace that. But they are. They've got. The OK, number two but that's pick. Not, it's not going to be built for another half a decade. They've got the number two pick. They've got cap space. But you're right. They're going to have to do a big sell job to get people to come play there. I don't really feel bad for them or anything. And, the, and they're and the commander's answer is to bring in a defensive coach to coach whichever quarterback they take with the second pick. Yeah, we'll see how that works out for him. It's quite a division we have. I, I don't understand. I really don't understand what I'm seeing and what, what people are doing. Uh, it's a good thing that one of our teams isn't in the Super Bowl, though, because we couldn't afford tickets to the game. Do you see what the average ticket price is? More than you're willing to. Uh, look, I'm, I'm broke. I yeah, went well, to the national championship you, you, game. Are you broke from going to the game or buying all the like stuff as afterwards? You, as you see, you look at me. I'm also broke from all the merchandise that I bought because, as you see, I'm wearing my national championship have you, sweatshirt. Have you been judged? I can go get you my hat, my mug, too, yeah. or any, many of my T-shirts, whatever you want. Other than by me, have you been judged by people for how much you have bought in, in, in gear? Anybody that knows me knows this. <laughs> so nobody's surprised that you've it, that you've, it, it, it comes with the with the uh, diploma. What cost more, your son's college tuition this year, or the amount you spent on gear? Are we approaching that level of Co- things? No, no college tuition. <laughs> not not quite there yet. No. Uh, but I'm done with that. So, <laughs> any more football thought and talk before we move on to what is going on with the Sixers right now? Well, you got the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. You excited um, for it? We have we have we have time to talk about that next week. I don't think we need to do the two weeks. Let let's let's talk right. football. We we're, we did enough talking about it with somebody who has a lot more knowledge d- and experience than we do. Are you going to watch the SpongeBob broadcast on Nickelodeon? That's my last question. No, you will. My but kid, I'm not. my kid wants to. My I sister. just want to watch the game. I think it's going to be a really good game. I just want to watch the game. Yeah, it's gonna. It's definitely going to be fun. All By right. the way, biggest surprise hiring: Mike McDonald. Yeah. 
that came out of left field for me. He two years ago he was the defensive coordinator for Michigan. It's a very fast ride. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, by that, Jesse Minter will be a head coach in the league in two years now that he's the D.C. And, he, he might. I mean, he's the D.C. Where did he go to be the D.C. with Harbaugh, Chargers. right? For the Chargers? He went with Harbaugh. How about uh, the story with the Panthers hire coming out? Uh, Dave Canales, right? After he gets fired about his past. <laughs> why, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Because I'm sure that you have that book on your shelf. Uh, he, I guess, had a porn addiction and uh, other things. And he and his wife have now written a book to be very open about it, to help people who have had that problem. Uh, yeah. More power to them, I guess. Uh, look, it, that, that, that's what David Tepper needed. I, by the way, I guess I'm what was wrong. That might be the surprise hire. of the That NFC. was the surprise hire to me. I mean, McDonald's is surprised, but he's kind of a fast riser. But Canellis is the one that. That and Brian Callahan, they, they really surprised me, especially with some of the names that were out there. Just, you know, and, and then you have the coordinators that haven't gotten jobs. The the Bienemies that were hot names in past years that still haven't gotten jobs. So you got a lot of I will tell you, there. I don't know who was advising Bienemy over the last few years. I'm just going to tell you the Bienemy's best move was the one he didn't make um, that he should have made, which was he should have taken the Colorado job years ago. He is a legend in Boulder, Colorado. He would have went there. He would have been able to revitalize that program, show that he could be a head coach and then come to the NFL. If that's what he wanted when, to do. When Dion and now leaves, I think he's lost. I, I would be willing to bet you he never gets an NFL head when, coaching. When job. Dion leaves, he can go back and coach Colorado. Because I don't think he's going to get a head coaching job before that. He's it's, not. He's it seems not gonna, like the carousel's moved on. There's other hot coaches. There's going to be these big name guys that are out there. So, I mean, we'll see. I had a friend who's a Jets fan saying they should fire Salah and pick up one of the guys that are out there. I'm like, all right, wishful thinking, man. Yeah, there's some dysfunction there, too. But yeah, they, I, yeah, think those, I think I'm tired of talking about NFL dysfunction. So why don't we just move on to NBA dysfunction, Did, and we can talk about Joel Embiid and all the rules, and you could tell me what you think of, of, of what happened that now Joel Embiid is a season at risk? I is, is, is this going to require surgery? What's going to happen next? I find this whole thing beyond frustrating. Uh, first of all, the Sixers still haven't said what the first knee injury was. Okay? He's missed five, he missed five games. He missed two games on the road trip. All they keep saying is that he's getting swelling. So you don't know what the original knee injury is. Yeah, but, but supposedly it was better because he wasn't on the injury report at all. Before I call he got BS injured. and he should have got been, 75. They got a $75,000 fine. He should have been on the injury report because if you watch the warm up and he shouldn't and you, have played and you watch. Well, he didn't play that game. He didn't play. They got fined because he, they didn't. But play. he played the next game. Well, let's talk about in Golden State. Let's talk about the Portland game that he didn't, where he wasn't on the injury report, right. warmed up. According to reports, couldn't even jump in warmups. Mm -hmm. So my question is for the team first. Why didn't you stop him? Why didn't you put him on the injury report earlier? This is not a surprise that he is injured. The, the, this reaction to the media criticism of him ducking games and the, the, the team has to be responsible here and protect wait, wait, the wait. player. Who are you criticizing here? Are you criticizing the media? No, I'm criticizing the team. Oh, okay. 
No, the media is going to do their job, but the team has to make well, sure that they facts. don't react. Joel Embiid has, has not played in Denver in five years. Well, in two of those seasons, they didn't actually play in Denver. Okay. One of the so seasons was COVID, and two mm-hmm. of the seasons he had a legitimate knee injury. So, yeah, you can go back and say that, okay. but the story is more. Now, whether or not he ducks players or misses games, that's a separate conversation from whether he was actually injured and should have been on the court. And if you watch the game in Golden State, he was lumbering the whole game. His movement was awkward. I told you about that video where he goes to, like, jump and his knee just kind of gives out. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he was in the game. They were down 14 points with six minutes left. They had played better and come back without him on the court. And then all of a sudden, Kaminga dives on his knee, and now you've got a torn meniscus. That's not healing tomorrow. They didn't call it torn yet, did they? They did. It came out yet late last I night. I thought they said damaged meniscus. No, I saw a tear in the meniscus. All right. Um, and And that's the concern is... Look, a couple of years ago when he did it, he needed surgery to get that repaired. Now, they're mm-hmm. not talking about that, but why'd you put him out there? Because he has to play in 65 games to be eligible for the MVP? Because somebody's criticizing him for not playing against certain teams? Who cares? If he's available in the playoffs, that's what matters. Well, I don't think the the Sixers pushed him out there. I think I think he pushed himself stop. out there. They I didn't think stop he pushed him. himself out there. And you know what? Shame on him. He's the guy who keeps saying that the only thing that matters is a championship. And he decided to put himself and he, and another piece of hardware ahead of the real hardware that he needed, because this is ridiculous that he would go out there if he thought that he was injured or could risk injury, especially with his history. Yeah, this is not. This is a guy who came into the league injured, injured, and and, and now decided that he needed to play several games after he had been out, and obviously was not better yet. So why did he come in? Unless he wanted to come in because of the sixty-five game rule. And for anybody that's going to complain, including all of these players that are now whining about it, he hasn't played in I think thirteen of their forty-some odd games. He hasn't played in close to 30% of their games. Maybe if he wasn't taking games off at the beginning of the season, he wouldn't have to do this. Because if you look at some of the other NBA players who this rule was basically put in place for, look how many games to Kawhi Leonard all of a sudden is playing. Look at some of the players that were not playing regular season games, and now they're playing regular season games. The NBA did the right thing by putting this in so that people could actually see the players that should be playing. And and now everybody's sitting there, compl- Draymond Green complaining, please, Draymond, shut up. Okay? Well, Draymond's so, not going to play because he got suspended, so... No, he's I, playing again. Yeah, but he's not going to hit the amount of games. And no, but, like he, he's but, he, anyway. but he's coming, he thinks he's going to need to come to Joel Embiid's defense and talk about how, and the players are going to sit there and saying, you, you know, don't blame the players. And then they... The weird thing in the argument that I've been hearing the last couple of days that makes no sense is they're trying to compare themselves to major league pitchers. The difference between a major league pitcher is that the major league pitcher pitches every five days and they keep saying, well, now they're on a pitch count. Well, guess what? When I buy my ticket, I know unless there's a serious injury, I'm going to see them. I don't know if I'm going to see them for four innings or six innings or eight innings, but I know I'm going to see them. What NBA players are doing now, you don't, you're buying a ticket 
to a game, probably one per year, and you're going, and the likelihood is you're not seeing the person you bought the ticket for. But let's say you brought bought the ticket to the game against the Warriors. Yeah. You saw what happened the night before against Portland. You saw he's been out. Should you have seen him? Should he have well, ever stepped no, on the court? No, but the, the thing now about tickets is, is a lot of people do buy them the day of on the secondary market and spend more because of it. And the fact is the Sixers did not include Embiid the game before on the injury report. And I guarantee you a lot of people would not have purchased their ticket that wanted to see him had they known that he had been on the injury report and continued to be on the injury report. I don't think that's why they got fined, though. I think they got fined more for gambling purposes than because people bought tickets. I really don't think they well, care that's, about that's the way your brain works. Your well, brain goes to towards that. My brain goes towards the the people that are buying the tickets. I know that's less money for for every league. I know that's less money is the money that goes into the building. But to me, that's the important thing. The people that only buy a ticket to one or two games a year. So what do you do now if you're the Sixers? The trade deadline's Tuesday. It's February 8th. You can, you can not at Tuesday. this point? It's one of these days coming up. It's, it's early next week. You what keep you mixing up your trade. I know. I'm Here's the deal. I'm beating myself up for Terry. There is week. now a rule in place I can't on this dates. show for the remainder of 2024. It's Thursday. You, not are not, you are not allowed to announce trade deadlines and draft information for... I have to initiate it for the rest of the year. Okay. Deal? All right. That's fine. All right. <laughs> so can you initiate that Thursday, February 8th is the trade deadline and what we're going to talk about? Because what do you do if you're Daryl Morey now? You've got to start. You, you, trade, you, trade, you trade so that you build up assets for the offseason. Off so you don't make a run now. You no. get your guy healthy and nope. you get more assets. So you have more room. Not, not, unless, not unless you get a half dozen doctors to say that he's going to be healthy enough to play in the playoffs. I would have concerns even if those doctors told me that. What? I would have concerns even if those doctors told me that. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm I'm telling you that you're not going to get uh, uh, you're not going to get a half dozen doctors to tell you that Joel Embiid's knee is going to be healthy for this offseason. If there's any chance that he needs surgery, get it. Get now. it. Yeah, get, get it. it and now. Get better because we had that issue before here too. Yeah. Well, that's they're going to wait. They said they're going to wait through the weekend and reevaluate. Okay, waiting through the weekend, I'm good with because you got to wait for the swelling to go down in order to do a proper evaluation. So I'm good with that. But if this turns out to be an injury that may or may not need a surgery, you get that surgery now and you get ready for next year. Well, that's what you have to do. That would well, screw up the opportunity. Did you think you meet. were winning the championship this year? Did no, you think I just you figured, were going to the final. I just figured we were going to meet Doc and the Bucks in the playoffs. <laughs> That's really all. Well, but you I know mean, what? depending on Doc's start, we'll see where they are now. There's a chance that we don't lose in the second round this year. We if might we don't lose make in it. the first round. <laughs> we don't make it there. You can't lose it. Is that your new attitude? Did Did you see? By the way, look, look at the bright side. That's my glass half full. <laughs> so of course, I I hate watch because that's what I do. So I, I watch Ben Simmons play his one game and all the the headlines about how great he looked, and then he didn't play the other game because his knee hurt. Uh, and I watched Doc come in and uh, put in all of the veterans and take out all of the young guys and blow the game. And the game the other night was my favorite. Because Wait, which he, game? The Portland game? The Portland game was my favorite where he drew up an <laughs> inbound pass to have Dame throw the ball to Giannis to get fouled for three free throw shots. Oh, 
I am so glad he's not the coach here anymore, Jeff. I can't tell you. I, I Nick couldn't. Nurse has Nick Nurse has done an impressive job since he's been here, and I think he is developing Maxi. The one thing that I thought he was going to do more that he talked about is he tried. He said he was going to develop Paul Reed into a four, and I, I think they've Paul Reed had one good game. I think they've had to put him at the five more too, just because Embiid hasn't been in there. That's been their well, and choice, his, and his defensive has been awful. Well, that's another issue. Anything yeah. else on the Sixers? Maxi, one of the the leading vote getters, uh, top jersey seller. What's he like ninth in the league now? Yeah, how about that? It's a, look, he's exciting. He's exciting to watch. Anything else before we just, move on? The Sixers just need to throw whatever money they need to keep him. I think they will. I mean, they have all the cap space in the world. I think they'll try to keep both of them. Uh, and then bring in somebody else. On can you can you imagine? Do you remember when, when we were having discussions about the Ben Simmons trades mm-hmm. and people wanting to include Maxi in those trades? Do you remember how I never wanted to include uh-huh. Maxi in those yep. trades? Thank goodness that they did not make a trade that included Maxi. I may have gotten Reese Hoskins Ooh. wrong in your eyes, but I definitely wasn't wrong on Maxi. Yeah, I mean Matisse. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. He, nice piece. Will you watch uh, either of the uh, the Pro Bowl or the NHL All-Star game this weekend? Hey, how about the draft? <laughs> <laughs> they held the NHL All-Star draft. And, and I, think, I think the biggest news out of the NHL draft was that Justin Bieber, Michael Buble, and Will, Will Arnett were honorary captains for the draft. They're trying to get some crossover. They really are. Connor McDavid. You know, it is... It, I have, have you ever in your life seen a coaching move midseason that has turned around a team so drastically as what Edmonton is going through? They haven't lost a game in almost a month. It just goes to show you, though. I mean, pe- this is what people thought they would be mm-hmm. before the start of the season. And we get back to, we talked about it all season. Is it the coaching or the players? There it was clearly the coaching. Yeah, he, this who, this guy thought that he was smarter than the average bear and he was going to put in his own system and he even tried buying himself saying that system was going to take time and it wasn't working and you have the best hockey player on the planet. I mean, it's not even close. You, I mean, Nate McKinnon might be up there, but it is amazing what Connor McDavid is able to do and what Edmonton has done since firing their coach. He is really fun to watch. I, I mean, and I mean, hockey's fun to watch the six there. The flyers kind of stumbled into the all-star break. Uh, you think they're going to find themselves coming out of it a little bit or uh, look, the one thing that one of the things that they had going for them was they had two really good goalies and they were interchangeable in, in that. And now you Carter Hart, has is gone probably for the season. Oh, I don't think he ever for the season. I don't think he ever plays for the Flyers again, regardless of what happens. Maybe, maybe his contract's um, up at the end of the year. From everything you hear, this case probably won't be heard until 2026. Okay, so then you have you have Urson and nobody really good behind. Probably one of the so young, that's a that's a lot of pressure to put on a young goalie who hasn't had that pressure yet. And he's not going to be able to play a majority of the games. So they are going to take a step back now, but as you get closer to the trade deadline, which we won't make you say the date, March 8th. (laughs) Are you sure about that? After screwing Um, it up last week with Terry and I made sure to get it right (laughs) or two weeks ago. The, the, the answer 
is now clearer and will be more acceptable to people because the flyers can now continue to implement their vision of what the future looks like without having to worry about making, you know, the last seed of the playoffs. And they, and by the way, they could still do that. They still have enough thing. They, they just have to figure out what they're going to do. Like I'm still confused over what's going on with Morgan Frost. Well, I mean, Tortorella kind of puts him in and then and then doesn't. I, eventually, they're going to make some trades, though. I, I don't know if you saw. It looks like because there aren't that many centers out there in the league, Scott Lawton is getting some attention. I mean, if you're struggling. He's not had a very good season. No. And at this point, I think we've talked about this. You take the assets you can get. This isn't your final version of your team. So you make the moves now to get to where you want to be. Uh, will you watch the all-star game at all? Do you care? I might. Yeah. I'm not watching the, I'm not watching the NFL nonsense. I do not need to see flag football and skills competitions in that stuff. Cause it's just so contrived. Uh, I really thought the were- NFL does not need this. They, it, they just don't like there's, it, there are times when you have to say to yourself as, as a product, do I, I just want to put crap out there just to put it out there or do i want to always have a high quality product and and the nfl for the most part except for thursday night football has a high quality product this is not part of it that's going to be the last word for this week thanks so much for joining us make sure to join us next friday night to help you start your weekend in style have a great one and we'll talk to you next week bye-bye